on today's show, Zach Benson did what? All coming up on today's show of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High. And on today's show, we'll be breaking down a bunch of NHL prospects doing really good stuff in the NHL. Uh, we'll start off with Zach Benson scoring. I mean, we'll discuss this, but I think this, oh, is, yeah. the best, <laughs> this is the best first NHL goal I've ever seen. Um, and then we'll, we'll talk about Jaden Scruble of the Montreal Canadiens getting his uh, first NHL starts and getting his first NHL point, um, you know, in, in this past week, uh, playing for the Canadians as a bunch of the defensemen have gotten injured. He's gotten that opportunity and he's been really, really good. So we'll discuss his game and what we've kind of liked from him. Um, then we'll end things off with a couple of Anaheim Ducks prospects. We'll start with Mason McTavish, who's tearing it up right now and really looking like Anaheim's best player at the moment. Um, and we'll talk about Leo Carlson's development uh, program, how that's working out for him. We've talked about this before in, in, in uh, recent episodes, but Carlson's on this weird path of playing, going from playing top line, top six minutes, you know, almost 20 minutes a game to being scratched at times and just going from that to that and how that helps his game. Cause we don't see that often with prospects in the NHL, especially draft plus one prospects. But before we get into any of that, today's episode is brought to you by sleeper. Download the sleeper app and use promo code locked on NHL to get up to a hundred dollar match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And then if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. All right, so uh, I think we can start with uh, the the player who I think we love the most on this podcast, and that's Zach Benson. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Um, what was that? <laughs> like, I, I, I'm just... Disgusting? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just hanging out with my girlfriend, you know, watching The Office, and I get a ping on my phone of, mm-hmm. of just every single person I follow just being like, "Oh, oh my, god. my god, yeah." Uh, yeah. And then I just pull up the GIF, and it's Zach Benson going between the legs and bar down on the goaltender for his first yep. NHL goal. First, I mean what's well what the what is the level of confidence required to do that like how how, how do you even get there hi uh <laughs> yeah. you you get there by being the smartest player on the ice for the two seasons going into your draft yeah. uh in on an elite whl team and yep. uh zach benson has all the confidence in the world uh despite having all the humility in the world as well like this is a really mature uh human being as well as player and that is clear stylistically, but also in terms of the way he plays the game, how he can bounce back from multiple games without any points and yeah. missing some key some, some some key opportunities down low into the low slot. Uh, I, I saw him miss a couple sitters this season, but it finally came, and it came in style. It, just a truly beautiful goal. I don't think we've seen a, a like a first NHL goal anywhere near as flashy as this since. I don't know, like Jordan Eberle. Like, I can't remember a first NHL goal since then that even, like, yeah, comes close. So, uh, yeah, Zach Benson's a special player. And 
I mean, we've gone on and on about just how valuable he is, how he projects stylistically. But more than anything, this is one of the most fun players that I've had the the benefit of the opportunity of scouting in the last couple of years. And uh, every single viewing I had of Zach Benson uh, last year was like, it felt like a break from work, truly. Like it was like, it felt like I was taking a real break from like having to do like the nitty gritty scouting work uh, and I can just enjoy Benson's game. And he's been doing the exact same things at the NHL level. I mean, he's second on the Buffalo Sabres in terms of expected goals for uh, at five on five, uh, a little bit behind Owen Power. He's at 53% according to natural stat trick. He's also technically behind Matthew Savoy in his one NHL game. Uh, but I'm not going to count that uh, with a tiny sample. But yep. yeah, Zach Benson's and, uh, been excellent, and the goal is gross. <laughs> yeah, and yesterday we got the uh, the news uh, from uh, Zach Benson directly. Uh, he told the media that GM Kevin Adams told him that he'd be sticking around, playing his 10th NHL game, and sticking around for the rest of the season with Buffalo. And following that news, I put out a tweet saying, on that note, there are five or six NHL teams that should take a long, hard look at their 2023 NHL draft, figure out why they went a different direction than Zach Benson, and make all the organizational decisions required to not do that again, the Habs mm. included. Um, I genuinely think that at fifth overall, if it wasn't Mitch Kov, it should have been Benson. Um, oh, yeah. Th th those they, are the they were the two players. Yeah. They, they were clear tier above everyone else remaining in both of our eyes. Like, yeah. Yeah. For sure. And, it, you know, I, I got some replies to that saying, you know, whoa, pump the brakes. You know, it's it's 10 games into the to the to his first season. You can't make these kind of sweeping statements. But it's not just the fact that Zach Benson is playing the NHL in this draft year when he was drafted 13th overall. I mean, if you look at the three players that were that, that were drafted last year that are playing the NHL, you're looking at Connor Bedard at first overall, Leo Carlson at second, Adam Fantilli at third, and then Zach Benson at 13th. Those are the four guys playing the NHL. But beside that, it's it's the translatability of, of his toolkit. There's it's not like he's just flashing the pan, you know, benefiting from the the surprise of you know not a lot of people knowing his game. Is that he's outworking players, he's outmuscling players, he's you know leveraging his weight really well in board battles. He's getting off the boards, he's making plays in contact, he's you know going to the net front with just the right timing. He's hitting these small pockets of space, you know, spacing out then spacing back into the slot. It's beyond just the 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 production because he doesn't have a high shooting percentage. This was his first NHL goal. And he's taking a decent amount of shots. It's, it's the overall game. It's ridiculous. This player is, is built for the NHL and his toolkit has translated so extremely well. Um, and it's built for longevity. He's not, he's not the type of player who coasts off a really good shot or a really good playmaking ability, even though he has that, when Zach Benz is not producing, he's still influencing the scoreboard. He's still influencing the momentum of the game. He's manipulating the flow of of of, of the, the kind of momentum of the game. And yeah, I'm just absolutely astounded that this player's flipped the 13th. And I, I, th I think, you know, when I said that teams should take a long, hard look at the process to see why he slipped, I'm mainly focusing on the fact that if you look at everything Zach Benson's has done, if you look at his history, his track record, um, the consistency of his play, the fact that he was the smartest player on a stacked Winnipeg Ice team as a 16-year-old, can you look at any of that and see anything outside of his height that could have taken him out of the consideration for the top five? I mean, I, I can't think of anything else. Elite defensive forward, elite playmaker, good goal scorer, one of the smartest players we've seen in years. Uh, a great in transition. 
strong for his size, wins puck battles at every level he's ever played at, including the NHL now. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, he's he's small. That's uh, that I I don't really see any arguments beyond yep. that. Like with Matt Mitchkov, you had other arguments, right? Right? Like you had the the lack of defensive effort. You had a fair share of different arguments. There, the argument was for us yep. just like this is an overwhelmingly potential superstar talent. Yeah. And with Benson, I think we were always a little bit more confused by the lack of hype he received in like traditional outlets and on draft day yeah. uh, be- because we didn't see anything throughout an entire season of scouting him that made us concerned about anything in his projection that could possibly limit him from being a highly valuable top six forward. Exactly. I mean, yeah. there's just, I, I can't name you anything in his game that I can point to and be like, okay, this is an area of weakness, even his skating. I mean, yeah, it was sure. average at best in his draft year, but like, like we've talked about this ad nauseum, his, his, yeah. his way of playing, his pace of play and his understanding of his surroundings more than compensate for his skating uh, deficiencies. And they're not really deficiencies. They're just, he's not going to be able it's to just blow Exactly. Yeah. He's not he's not gonna blow past coverage on the breakaway. He's not gonna outspeed everyone like a Josh Anderson or a Michael Grabner or whatever, but he doesn't yeah. need it. He doesn't need it at all. He he he's, he's already out, he's already outthinking NHL opponents. Like exactly. I, I haven't like noticed his skating at all being an issue yet at the NHL level. Exactly. Like I've I've seen him lose puck races, sure, but then he's right there in the in the back pocket of whoever beats him in that puck race going yeah. for a pickpocket, right? Like he's exactly he doesn't give up on those plays and he applies the pressure, and more often than not either creates a turnover directly or forces the offense into an uncomfortable position that ends up in a turnover anyways later on. So, yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's something we talk about often with output versus input, right? I mean, it's just the output with Benson is better because he's constantly getting to the right places at the right timing. And that's why you need skating is to be able to do that. And he does. So we have no problem. And that's why he's succeeding so far in the NHL. But yeah, that wraps things up for our first segment. Uh, Before we get into our second segment, a quick word from our sponsors over at collective.com. If you're on a small solo business, you're an army of one, but you still need an accountant, a bookkeeper, someone to to manage payroll for you. Uh, And all that takes a lot of time out of your ability to manage your team. Now let Collective take care of the paperwork while you take care of business. Collective is the number one financial solution for freelancers, contractors, and self-employed entrepreneurs that lets you focus on your passion, not your paperwork. And that's a really important part of the process is when someone's taking care of your paperwork, you can focus on your game plan. You can focus on taking care of what you need to take care of as an entrepreneur. You can let uh, Collective handle all the paperwork while you, you dread, while, you know, anything from corporate formation and compliance taxes, bookkeeping, accounting, even payroll. And the best part is at a fraction of the cost of a chartered professional accountant. Collective knows that if your business of one makes over $80,000 a year, you, you will find the most value from their services. Join a thousand of solopreneurs that have saved an average of $10,000 a year on taxes with their structure. Right now, Collective is offering one month free and no onboarding fee when you go to collective.com slash locked on NHL and tell them locked on NHL sent you. That's a $550 value for free when you go to collective.com slash locked on NHL and tell them locked on NHL sent you. Check it out. All right, so moving on to Jaden Struble, uh, a prospect, you know, that hasn't really been talked about as much, um, especially outside of NHL circles. I don't hear his name a lot. 
Um, but this is a player who was really interesting when he was drafted in um, in 2019 by the Montreal Canadiens. They went for Struble mainly. I mean, if you if you listen to their to their draft tape, I mean, <laughs> Mark Bergevin word for word said this this kid is a Greek god, and that was pretty much the argument. <laughs> but if you look at Struble's game outside, it's of a that, strong sell. Don't get me it, wrong; it's a, it is a strong sell, <laughs> and he definitely it definitely is built. Like he is he is a physical specimen, but. With Struble, what's really interesting is, you know, his skating improved, even though it was already a strength, but I'm talking more about the output because the input's always been good. He's a, yeah. He's got a great crossover stride. He can, he can build speed and, in, in, um, you know, on retrievals and all that. But the issue with Struble was he, he would constantly try to skate his way out of trouble rather than think his way out of it. And that put him a step behind. But, yeah, let's get to his NHL start. I mean, he, he played two games over the last week, scored his first NHL point in his second NHL game. It was a beauty. It was a primary assist where he got the puck at the point and his entire body and and head was selling shot. And he and he threw a no-look pass to the side to Jonathan Kovacevic, who was his D partner. And Kovacevic just rifled it. What a shot, too. It was an absolute like whistler of a shot. But what really interested me in that is that if you see the moment Jaden Struble, if you screenshot the moment Jaden Struble gets the puck, you're thinking shot the whole way. And the whole team shifted towards him. The entire opposing team just kind of shifted their, their structure towards his side uh, with the San Jose Sharks. And that left Jonathan Kovacevic wide open with a good eight strides in front of him to, to kind of walk in and shoot it. Um, and yeah, those are some small details that were really interesting. But the main thing that really interested, interested me was Struble. And I was really curious to see if it would kind of progress at the NHL level was the breakout game. Because that's always been a strong suit. And it just got better in Northeastern. And I think he missed, on, on my count, I think he missed one breakout like in, in, in these two games combined. Like, it's it's astounding, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, he's been good, right? He, he's been excellent. I mean, I, I think he's he's really simplified his game a lot since uh, yeah. his, his first season in college. And while the points never really progressed much after his sophomore year at Northeastern, the yeah. game matured significantly. And he's really, really gotten down the foundations of his game where his scanning habits are, are now a strength, whereas in the past it was chaotic. Yeah. Uh, he, he is really quite composed in his decision-making. He uses his skating as a problem-solving tool rather than his problem-solving outlet as only one. And yeah. he can pass uh, around pressure really well. He, I, I like his use of bank passes. He did, he's, he's a couple of those already this season with the Habs. And he played a very, very simple couple of games so far and looking really solid. And I think that this is a player that could definitely push for a bottom four role for the Habs long-term. But, I mean, that blue line is log-jammed. So w yeah. whether he makes it with the Habs or with a different NHL organization, uh, long term remains to be seen, but he's making a really strong case for himself right now. Yeah, and I think this is an interesting point we we can explore because we've often disagreed on on what um, Jaden Struble's true ceiling is and what he can reach at the NHL level. For um, sure. I see him as right now the the main kind of number three defenseman on a pair with one of those kind of right handed D's that are a bit more iffy on the defensive side and a bit less reliable on breakouts, like. Justin Barron, Logan Mayu, um, even Autumn Angstrom to a certain extent can can fit in that mold. But I feel like, 
you know, with the, what the Montreal Canadiens would benefit from from Struble would be for him to be that breakout force and that transition ace on a defensive pair with a, with a defenseman who's more of an activator. I feel like him and Caden Gooley would do wonders together because they're both really good defensively. But one David Reinbacher. David Reinbacher would be also a great. If you're talking player. activator who struggles in transition, right? That that's that that's your mold right there. And exactly. of course, Reinbacher was drafted to get paired up with with uh, Lane Hudson long term, but. Yeah, like I, I, I could see uh, Jaden Struble being the fourth piece uh, alongside uh, Reinbacher, Gooley, and Hudson long term. I think it depends kind of to see uh, how long Matheson sticks around, if he gets moved, yeah. or if the Habs want to kind of keep him as the, the solid veteran presence while the young core uh, grows. But yeah, I, I just don't see many opportunities of actually puncturing inside the top four with the Habs. Like they they invested such big assets to 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 get I mean like Caden Gooley obviously has been excellent David Reinbacher like that was a really big big asset used on him and yeah I I, I, I still think that Struble probably tops out as a as a number four I, I don't quite see the number three upside I think yeah. while yes the foundation's gotten so much stronger over the past couple of years I think it has come at the slight cost of the offensive creativity and. I haven't really seen the offensive tools individually progress too, too much since his, his sophomore season at Northeastern. Everything else is caught up, and that is making him a projectable NHL player now. But I do think that limits his uh, upside as a number three. So I see him long-term more as a number four, number five, I think, with the Habs. I mean, you have, you have other players, right, like like Jordan Harris and Adam Engstrom and Justin Barron and Arbor Jacki. There's so many young defensemen that are going to be NHLers long-term that are not going to fit in the Habs' blue line. So yeah. I, I, Struble will have to make a strong case for himself to kind of puncture into that, into that talk, but he's looked really good so far. And uh, at the very least, the Habs have some really valuable trade assets here with their young defensemen because they can't hold on to all of them. Oh, for sure. And, you know, if we're talking about the defenseman you mentioned, I don't think there's one I would, I would take Struble, uh, like I would take over Struble. Um, you know, Jack guy's not in that conversation for me at all. Like, like Struble so oh, far from what I've seen in the yeah. NHL and the fact that we can, we can have a tangible example of him translating that skill set to the NHL. Well, clear of Jack guy. Um, Jordan Harris, I still like a lot as a number five. I think yeah, that Harris I, I, is a perfect number five long term. Exactly. And... If if Harris is your third pair defenseman, you're, you have a really good core, and uh, I, I like that. But I still think that I would still take Struble in a notch over Harris in terms of potential of upside because upside Harris sure. Harris I don't think is going to improve much more than he already has. Like I, I think he's reached the maximum level of development that he can reach as a defenseman in terms of his tools, but also in terms of his processing of the game. That hasn't changed at all since his, his Northeastern years. And that's good because there's nothing to change there. It's He's a really good processor of the game. He's yeah. he, he thinks the game better than Struble, that's for sure. I just think that Struble has, has certain elements of his game and in which he's so good that it he doesn't really need to think the game in advance. But also, it's just... Harris is a bit of a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, whereas... Struble has this one thing he does extremely well, but on top of that, he can skate his way out of trouble. He's got that mobility in in all four directions, forward, backwards, to the sides. Um, he's got a really good shot as well, which has come a long way. And yeah, I mean, it's just if when you have a player who's so reliable on retrievals, that frees up a bit more tactical 
well, it, it, it gives you more tactical freedom. You can give him a Justin Barron who's not going to be doing retrieval. Justin Barron's job is going to be to get the puck off of Struble when he needs a, an outlet um, on the lateral pass and bomb it up the ice. Or you can give him a bit more of an offensive force, um, more of a defensive force, and make a real stalwart of a, of a deep pair. So I just think that the tactical freedom that Struble brings is so, so much more important than, you know, if I had the choice between Struble and Harris on a, on a second pair, I'd go Struble for sure. Um, but yeah, time will tell with those two. Um, I just think this is a really, really interesting subject because with Montreal, there are so many defensemen to look at. But that, oh. That'll wrap... Yeah, that'll wrap things up for today, for the second segment. We'll get into our third segment where we talk about some uh, Anaheim Ducks prospects, including Mason McTavish, who's tearing it up, and Leo Carlson's interesting development path. We'll get into that after uh, these messages from our sponsors over at Sleeper. The NHL season is here, and it comes with all sorts of possibilities. Connor Bedard could score 50 goals as a rookie. Your team could hoist the Stanley Cup, and you can get in on the action with Sleeper which is our number one choice at the Lockdown NHL Network uh, for your daily fantasy hockey needs. With Sleeper, uh, all you have to do is pick eight specific player stats and guess them correctly. And these can be for the stars of the league, whether you're guessing how many goals, uh, for instance, Nathan McKinnon is going to score in a game. If Quinn Hughes is going to get another three assists in a game, the choice is yours. Or you can go with your comfort fourth liner to get a first goal of the season in. You have all the freedom you want with the Sleeper Daily Fantasy Hockey app. Use promo code LOCKDOWNNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKDOWNNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and a locational availability. Alrighty, so moving on to our final segment, we'll be talking about two Anaheim Ducks prospects, including Mason McTavish, who's on a tear right now, uh, playing extremely good hockey for the Anaheim Ducks there. Um, the prospect was drafted third overall in 2021, and I think that came as a bit of a surprise to a lot of people. I mean, he was definitely in that conversation at, at, at year's end. I mean, he was definitely a top 10 pick, but third overall, I mean, that, that's, that blew some people away, including myself. Um, and so far, it's been paying off really well for Anaheim. He's got 21 points in 20 games. He's over a point per game here in his uh, his only is well, technically it's his third year in the NHL. Um, technically, yeah, but he played nine games in 2021-22. Um, after an 80 game season in 2022-23, he had 17 goals and 43 points. Now he's to half a half a goal per game and over a point per game. Uh, in the NHL as a an assistant captain for the Anaheim Ducks as well, which is really interesting. I'm just I'm so curious regarding the development path because I think of I think a lot of the reasons why people weren't too certain about McTavish is the fact that he wasn't well he wasn't playing the OHL in his draft year. It was difficult to get tape for him because he was playing in the Swiss uh, the Swiss second division. I think um, even though he was almost a point per game, it was difficult to get a read on how particularly good McTavish was compared to his age group. Uh, then he had a really good World Juniors, catapulted himself into that conversation as uh, Team Canada's U18's captain. Um, and then look at him now. I mean, he's just... He, he's he's exceeded expectations so far at every level. And yeah, having watched him a lot with Hamilton uh, in the OHL after his draft year, man, he really should yeah. have gone... He, re, he like. I, I probably should have been a bit more bullish on McTavish than I was, and I, I relied a lot on what I saw at the U18s, which wasn't the best McTavish we'd seen. I think the skating was a bit off, but 
yeah, I mean, talk me through what you saw from from McTavish, especially in this draft plus one, because I think the progression yeah. was really interesting, right? For sure. I mean, like the big like question mark with McTavish has always been the skating, right? Yeah. Like this is not a player who gets around the ice very efficiently, very quickly. Uh, the the skating mechanics are clunky. He's not the most fluid on his feet. But it doesn't really matter because he's a really high-end thinker of the game. He's really intelligent. He has every physical tool apart from the skating that you could possibly desire. Really strong, really tenacious, wins at the vast majority of his puck and board battles. And overall is just really what you want in a gritty top six center, right? Like this is a really high-end player. And I got to watch him live quite a few times actually as a D plus one. It was my my first year going to Ottawa 67's games and uh, I was always tuning in to, to Hamilton uh, to, to check out Arbor Jack guy and Jan Mishak that year. And uh, yeah, Mason McTavish uh, stole the show every single time yeah. and was just a tremendous OHL player, by far the best player in the league that year. Wasn't even a close call. And yeah, he's, he's been excellent since then. He had a really good rookie season last year. Wasn't the flashiest of rookie years, but really, really darn efficient. I mean, 17 goals, 43 points, playing top six minutes for the Ducks on a, not a great team. And uh, yeah, he, he's been just so excellent. And the, the shooting uh, is the goal scoring overall is tremendous. He's become one of the better uh, like tippers of the puck in the entire league already. Uh, he can really seek those out while he's at, at the net front. He's really effective at gaining space in front of the goalie, blocking vision, uh, and overall just like making an impact from down low in those dirty areas. So Mason McTavish has been excellent, and this season he's been on another level. He has half a goal a game, one point over a goal a game, 20 games into the season. He's been truly excellent. And he's been Anaheim's best player. Like he's unseated Trevor Zegers with that title already. So uh, it's been a rough start for Zegers, obviously, but McTavish has that one C role and is running with it. Absolutely. hundred um, percent. That brings us to Leo Carlson, who I think is, oh my goodness, man. There are so many different talents to choose from in this Anaheim Ducks roster. And I really like the fact that they, they didn't look at, at, at second overall, they weren't looking at, oh, well, you know, we already have two, you know, projected top six centers. We can't take another one. It was just, this is the best player that we think is available. We're going to go for him. So yeah, Leo Carlson has been really interesting to start the season. I I think we've I've definitely we've definitely talked about this before on the show. Just the development path that's really strange with Carlson where he's either playing on the top line or in the top 6 along with the top power play or he's not playing. He's being scratched. And just that that dichotomy I think is really interesting cuz you're looking at a player who in the SHL won't be playing 82 games a season like in the NHL. So it's just about getting the rhythm of the season up and understanding, you know, uh, how to gauge his energy level and how to bring his energy level up, um, his stamina, just working on this stuff, uh, while still getting those opportunities in the top six, while still, you know, playing on the power plane and getting those opportunities. So I think that a lot of teams, you know, when they have to, when they have a prospect like this, who isn't there physically yet in terms of stamina, in terms of endurance throughout a game and all that, um, but also, you know, has the talent to play in that role, they're thinking, oh, well, you know, we can't we can't play him in the top six and then scratch him the next game. But like, why not? Right. And I think that this is this is going to open a lot of doors and a lot of teams are going to look at this process and be like, oh, this is working. Um, yeah. But yeah. What do you think about that? I, I love it. I mean, we, we've talked about this a little bit previously, and I'm a really big fan of this, this, this development strategy. I think it's ingenious. And uh, I think that it is especially smart to do it with. The players that are in that like mold of like big 
pro-ready Europeans, where you also have to adjust to the ice size. There's more adjustments than just it being the NHL and being a massive step up in competition. And like Yuri Sapkowski, I think would have really benefited of that type of strategy last season. But yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really smart. It's a patient approach. I think it, it takes a lot of guts to kind of go with that because not only are you scratching on your top talents repeatedly, but you're also then like making your team weaker on purpose by, by prioritizing development over current wins. And I, I think that's a really brave and intelligent approach. And I think it's going to pay off really nicely for Anaheim and Leo Carlson. Absolutely. Um, and his recent hat trick and a 6-3 loss against the Philadelphia Flyers, I think is a perfect example of what you're saying there. You know, prioritizing a player's development over your your short-term success. But I think that that's, that's the exact thing that a rebuilding team needs is focusing on long-term success and not caring about the immediate, not caring about that yeah. particular game, even though that might not please your players in the roster currently, uh, especially your veterans that are trying to get on a winning team, that are trying to, to you know, to at least you know get something done before the end of their careers or you know another uh, another instance is just really just trying to enjoy hockey um it's hard to enjoy hockey when you're losing often but at the same time if you get everyone on the same page regarding you know listen these guys we're trying to build them up we're trying to make them key pieces so that we can win regularly consistently and with enough um, with enough traction and momentum that we can carry into each season and become a, a perennial contender. Um, if you can get everyone on the same page regarding that, then a, a, a hat trick from your from your recent second overall pick from this past draft and a 6-3 loss, that feels like a win at the end of the day. So I'm really interested in seeing how that kind of develops for Anaheim. I think that's going to be really interesting for them. But that wraps things up for today's show. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked On Sports Today. They've got all your news and updates about what's going on around sports. And make sure to tune in for our next episode as we start the coverage for the month of December. This has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian. And we hope you tune in next time.